All right. You really have to talk to me about why you're nervous. I just told you. I don't want this to end in an argument. What do you mean end in an argument? I don't want it to end in an argument. I think having this conversation in the past has always started as an argument or a complaint <laughs> for me. That's good. And so I don't want it to route itself into an argument. Started as an argument. So what you're saying is that it, which, which this is definitely a different way to have this conversation mm -hmm. because usually it doesn't start from a place of peace. neutrality <laughs> or peace. Right. I would agree with that yeah. because I, anytime it's brought up, I'm not presenting it in a civilized way. <laughs> civilized is an interesting adjective. I'm, I'm just going for the jugular each time. Right. I'm just trying to help you to understand that it's important. Now, why? Why? Because our life, our very life depends on Right. It. No, no, no. <laughs> why do you feel like you're going for the jugular? Like, what brings up that kind of well, intensity? Well, because I can say it so quietly for so long. And, you know, I'm just not that type of person who can just continually say something quietly and not be heard. Like, eventually I'm going to be yelling. Right. right. And, like, trying to get your attention. And trying to help you understand this is an important thing. This is me. good. Well, you've got my attention. I'm glad. Right here, right? We're sitting and face to face. Ironically, you're the one who initiated the conversation. Right. So this is, yeah, maybe that's the way that we need to do things. Maybe mm -hmm. I need to initiate conversations. Maybe that's you do. Yeah. But it shouldn't take you 13 years into our marriage. Oh, we're going to talk <laughs> about that, though. Initiate the conversation. Yo, uh, welcome to episode two of Four in the Morning. This is John. Oh, um, that voice that you heard right before this was me and my wife of uh, 13 years. This year will be 13 years of marriage. And so I thought it would be good to have her on the podcast very early on, um, especially today. So today is a special day for me, Thursday, July 23rd. Uh, it's my birthday, y'all. Uh, so it's special for a few reasons, right? One, after you turn 30, the next significant birthday is 40. Uh, the other ones really don't matter much. You tend to lose count. Me and my wife are often reminding one another uh, how old we are. But uh, today, turning 36 is something that's different for me. And here's why. Uh, because my life has literally been split up into these two halves. So 18 years ago this month, my life changed forever. Uh, long story short, I'll tell you all the full story one day when I get a chance to do a podcast by myself. Um, long story short, I was robbed at gunpoint in Nigeria with my family uh, 18 years ago this month. We were on a dirt road miles and miles away from anybody that we knew. Our driver stepped out of the car to change the flat tire before he got back in. Two men came from out of nowhere with guns. They shot the guns up into the air. They pushed us down on the ground and they said, yo, if anybody looks up, we're gonna kill you. And at this point, um, I'm 18, getting ready to go off to college and my life changed forever. Uh, I was just hit with all of these realizations at the same time. Uh, I was hit with the fact that life is short, that I'm fragile. And more than that, I was hit with this 
overwhelming sense of the fact that I've wasted my entire life. Uh, that if I were to die right now, absolutely nothing that I've done in my life would outlive me. And I just didn't want that to be my fate. Uh, and so I've learned, it was just there at that point that I learned the best use of my life is to use it for something that will outlive me. So yeah, being just faced with death as an 18 year old, getting ready to go off to school, I did what anybody else would have done. Um, and I bartered with God, right? I, I pulled out the old, hey, God, if you save me, I promise I'll spend the rest of my life telling people that you're not that bad, right? Um, I'll spend the rest of my life trying to convince people to put their hope in you that you're worth that. And um, so basically the past 18 years of my life have been me trying my best to stay on that line right if i was in aero the past 18 years have just been me flying on the flight pattern that i was shot out of uh 18 years ago and as i've sought to live that out every decision that i've made since then from where i live to who i've married to how i'll make money to how i won't make money has been guided by that but what i found is that even that good aspiration has had unintended consequences um, in serving other people, in trying to provide hope, I realized that I've built these prison walls around myself. Um, I found out that my public platform has put me in a place of admiration of some people that usually doesn't work well when you just want to be treated like a human, right? I found myself not having the permission to be human. And so part of why I wanted to do uh, this podcast, not just this topic, but even a podcast is uh, just to get a chance to experience or broadcast being a human in public, right? Um, I've been known in public as a pastor, an author, a speaker, but I'm just regular old John. I'm a regular old dude. And nobody knows this better than my wife of 13 years. Um, so yeah, I've been a pastor about just as long as I've been a husband. And unfortunately, I've been better at one than the other. Uh, and I've been better at the wrong one for most of our marriage. So my wife has seen my humanity uh, in ways that nobody else has. And she's the one that's constantly pushing me to embrace it and just to be more and more human. So if you're going to get to know me, uh, you've got to get to know her and you're going to get a chance to do that today. So here's a conversation that I have with my wife this past week. It's another long one, uh, but I want you to sit back and enjoy this one. And as I'm moving into a new chapter of my life, part three, however long this part will be, uh, I'm resolved to do it as a human with or without anybody's permission. So take a listen. Enjoy. So the reason why I brought you on for this one is because I think that if there's anybody in the world that sees or knows my humanity uh, best, it's you. 
Anybody that has an overly complimentary opinion of who I am <laughs> need only spend time around you to be hit with. Okay. Uh, no, no, no. Listen, <laughs> listen. Need only spend time around you to be hit with a sense of sobriety, right? Not disenchantment, but sobriety, right? One of the things that tends to frustrate you is maybe an unhealthy intoxication or overly complimentary um, approach when it comes to just me and my personhood. I agree. Yeah. It, that is frustrating. Yeah. Why? Why? Why is it frustrating? Well, only because there's this sort of like enchantment from the other person, like they're under some spell or some illusion of who you are. <laughs> right. And it's like... I just don't want that for you. Yeah. I think it mm. I, as a human being, like I think our our mind we can be easily inflated by things like that. Yeah. You know, like yeah. we can get big heads. Right. And so your head is big enough. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I really do believe like yeah, it just it can do damage to people. Right. And I don't want I don't want for you to become the thing that we both know we don't enjoy right. in people. Yeah. So. So as far as the permission to be human, um, that was one of the things that made me, well, not made me choose you, but that was the, one of the things that convinced me like Chandra's the right one for me. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was, we had already been friends for a year but the first time that it became increasingly clear, oh snap, Chandra may be the one, is the first um, retreat that we took together with Plumla. That was a planning retreat. I, yeah, you remember that retreat? Nope. I, no, I have a very poor memory. Yeah, yeah. Some of the first <laughs> words uh, that you said to me, like we were sitting out there, um, you know, you turned, you know, waved your curly hair oh you looked me in the eyes <laughs> and you said john you are one of the most selfish people i have ever met in my life yeah now, you remember that i, I remember saying this but I, I don't remember where i thought it was in the car actually no 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 okay well it's good to know that we weren't you weren't driving <laughs> yeah no and it was at that time that i was like wait a minute that is not what people say about me. Mm. That was the first thought that I had. Wait, no, 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 wait. No, I'm, I'm humble. I'm thoughtful. I'm considerate, right? <laughs> Selfish. That is not a word that people use to describe me. Like, how dare you? Mm. And then the more that I thought of it, it was like, Oh, yeah. 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 My uh, coach in college used to, to say, uh, John, you can either be spoiled by praise or saved by criticism. Mm. And this was just at a time in my life where after graduating from college, you know, I felt nothing but praise all around me um, from people that I had left in school inspired by the things that I was getting ready to do, people that I 
was getting ready to come into contact with and you were the lone voice in that place that just didn't do that mm-hmm. and instead said, nah, I'm, yo, I'm still your best friend, but I just think that this is the case. And it was that permission to be human and free that was really freeing for me. Hmm. Um, and that was one of the first times I'm like, Ah, she could be this could be it thank goodness yeah yeah thank goodness that Thoughts took about you, that? Down. you remember that i remember that and i what was it that made you do that yeah i just saw i think it was during a time where i saw plenty of opportunities for you to think forward and like anticipate other people's needs I mean, because if you're saying that we're on a retreat, then I think it's coming back to me that, like, there were a few instances that I just seen, like, you know, he could have, you know, offered to take everybody's dishes or he could have, you know, cleaned up after himself in this moment or whatever the thing was. And I think I'm just trying to remember back to exactly what prompted it. But I really felt strongly that, like, this person is not thinking mm-hmm. about other people. Yeah. And I didn't like it. Yeah. No, no. And I think that it's good because it's like, what makes it good is that, oh, what makes it so hard to hear is that, what made it so hard to hear and good mm-hmm. was, even as we've talked about in the last few days, it's, you know, turning 36. You know, my life has literally been split into these two halves. Mm-hmm. First 18 years of my life, I was just an ordinary kid in the town, played sports, just lived like, just lived my life for me. Mm-hmm. Getting robbed in Nigeria 18 years ago this month was the catalyst that really turned my eyes outward. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh no, the best use of my life is not to live it for me. The best use of my life is to live it for somebody else to help folks. Yeah. And in being, trying to be altruistic and serve and help, I found that that desire mixed with the diligence that I had to really try to do it, it's kind of put me into these, I don't want to use prison walls as if I'm trapped, But it's just put this thing where it's like being so consumed with helping people to hope outwardly Mm -hmm. has put me in this place where I do feel at times, I don't feel this permission to be human. Or I don't feel the permission to be human in public. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm human as hell, right? You're human at all. (laughs) Yeah, but it's just like constantly living to help others yeah i can't even formulate the words but it just i find myself in this place where people tend to view me through the lens of that mm-hmm. first sure. before they see my humanity yeah so my role as a pastor always tends to precede or even dominate my 
personhood. Yeah. And this is the thing that you talked about for years. years. Yeah. Yeah. What What are the biggest frustrations? Yeah, I for think for me, my main frustration is that it's even a thing. Yeah. Like that people in your position would have to concede their humanity mm. in order to meet some, I don't even know if it's a standard or a cultural like reverence. I don't, I don't know what exactly it is. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure out kind of what makes people, I mean, cause it's not just, you know, pastors, right. it's, you know, people in positions of power, it's people with extraordinary talent and, yeah. you know, abilities. You know, like how you say your job or your desire in your work is to provide hope for people. Mm -hmm. But you've been busy building this like fortress of hope for other people and you forgot to put like a door to get out. You know, like, um, you know, or a door for people to come in, you know, and see like, oh, this took a lot of hard work and like faith and diligence and also, you know, the grace of God especially the grace of God, but like, yeah, I cried many nights or, you know, like whatever. No, no cried. Like what, what brought on the tear? Like what was, what were the biggest sources of your frustration? My frustration? Your frustration. Oh, for you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. 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 Starting for you. Yeah. So one that it's even an, an issue, I think people don't realize the amount of pressure, um, that having eyes on your life creates mm. for a person like, mm. um, and like you said, some people enjoy it Yeah, because for the most part, I don't think, you know, I personally do not enjoy having someone pick apart my every word and action, um, or judge it even. And I think that's frustrating. If what's a, for instance, for what's instance, a t- <laughs> if I'm having a bad day, let's say, and this has happened before. I've had friends, you know, you know, people who have approached some of my closest friends and said, you know, your friend is some Tommy. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And they're like, well, she said, you know, that you walked in and you didn't say hello. Yeah. And it's like, well, you probably weren't thinking that 30 minutes before. I mean, one, I'm, I'm late every right. Sunday. I live two minutes from the church and I'm late every Sunday, you know, when we were meeting in person. But you're not thinking like 30 minutes ago, I was wrestling a toddler into right. whatever outfit she doesn't want to wear today. Yeah. And I'm tired probably from a weekend of having to socialize with people. I'm an introvert. Yeah. I enjoy my quiet time. Right. And I just want to go in here and I just want to sit and listen to the music and God's word and just laser focus on that activity. Right. And that always, that doesn't always mean that you know, I'm standoffish, stuck up, don't want to talk to people. You know, yeah. like it could just mean that I'm human and I'm having a, a rough morning. Right. Yeah. And I think it doesn't just allow you to move and operate at all without thinking right. 100% of the time about what somebody else may think, feel, mm. or perceive. Yeah. And so it's just exhausting. Right. And I, it's just unfair, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Your biggest frustration is just that. It's unfair. It's unfair. And you know me, I'm a proponent of justice (laughs) Justice. and fairness, you know, and I'm just like, this is not right. Like I didn't ask 
for this. You right. know, I asked, you know, to be used by God. I asked for opportunities to serve other people, but I did not ask for you to insert yourself into my life right. in ways that are traumatic right. sometimes or in ways that are, um, you know, off-putting. It's like you're coming to my birthday party and I didn't send you an invitation. It's like, what are you doing, bro? Like, right. why did you just walk in here? <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. You are a person who, who I don't want to say enjoys, because there are times you don't enjoy it, but I think you thrive on helping others. Mm-hmm. Um, and I often couch this in our conversations as you're wanting to be needed. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, and that may, you know, that may be the case sometimes. I'd say a very thin sliver in yeah. the pie of, right. you know, people's you know, your obligation to people yeah. is the wanting to be needed. Right. But the rest of it is just the natural inclination in you to help others mm-hmm. arrive at a place. Yeah. Um, whether that be like, you know, intellectually or just in real everyday life, like how to apply, you know, God's goodness and his word to their right. lives. Like yeah. that is just like naturally who you are. But I often see the frustration with that, like, is that you fail to one rest and do those things that you're doing for other people for yourself. Mm. Like, you know, I'm looking at you and you're like on the sofa, it's 730 p.m. And you're like (laughs) out. And I'm just like, what in the world? (laughs) What happened to this guy? Like he literally was just like having a full blown conversation 10 minutes prior. And now he's, he spent like whatever little energy he had, he gave it to me, whatever last (laughs) little slur, you know, like, and now he's just, and I'm concerned that like, this is me being extreme, but like, honestly, like there's only one of two ways that can end is like burnout or death. Mm. And I don't want, (laughs) there's a sobriety I was talking about. (laughs) That candle I mean, gonna go out and you gonna die. I mean, really? Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not funny, yeah, but it it's is not, funny. It's not, yeah. It's, it is. It is like kind of like a, you know, I'm waving this black flag over your head, just like you gonna die. You gonna die? Please stop. You know, like, um, but I want I want for you to see see it more seriously. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times you don't. Mm. You you just see it as like this is. This is the work. This is the work that I love to do. It is my duty and pleasure to obligate myself to these people in such an extreme way and them to expect me to obligate myself. You know, it's just like this vicious cycle of their needs. You're wanting to help you helping their needs. You want, you know, like. I don't want them to expect it. Well, I think now you don't. I think in the past, this has been my frustration. I think more so now you've come to a place where. You are more sober minded about it mm-hmm. and you do understand like that there's a need for boundaries and there's a need to say, to, to point that people in other directions, that yeah. all of it doesn't have to come to you. Right. Um, but another, in that, another frustration is, like I said before, I think you like it. Like what? 
you like you like the allure of which it's a human thing so please don't hear me say this and like go all you know however this is where the fight starts this is where the fight starts (laughs) But I think that in some ways, because you have a natural bent toward it, you enjoy like you enjoy feeling useful and for people to seek wisdom and like help from you. You enjoy that. All right. Let me turn. I enjoy people feeling helped. Mm -hmm. So there's a satisfaction that comes from there being a problem. And not even me solving it, but seeing the joy that comes to somebody's face when the problem is solved, right. regardless of what. So it's like, yeah. Yeah, I don't think the Yeah, yeah, the puzzles actual... or things like that. You know, I just like to see problems solved. Yeah. And when there's something that needs to be fixed in the house, it doesn't require <laughs> hammers or nails. <laughs> Some mental puzzle that needs yes. to be resolved. Yeah. 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 And I, I see that in you. Yeah. And I understand that with relation to other people, but at what cost? Right. And that's where my frustration comes in. It's like, yeah, I get that there's an aspect of this that he just enjoys. That's just how he's been. Like, even if he wasn't a pastor, he would be doing these things. Yeah. But there's also that aspect of like, but then how far do you really need to go in order to achieve that, or help that person achieve right. that goal or help that person understand this thing or solve that puzzle? Like to what extent do you have to like commit yourself or our family? Mm. Because there have been times <laughs> where we have been dragged in through the back door, just like, Oh yo. And then we're all going to help. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not committing to this. You know? Right. So um. Yeah. To like, how far does it have to go, and are there parameters? Mm. Like, can we just put like a mile marker here that says, and once it gets beyond this point, yeah, my body, my time, my family, our relationship, me and the person, whoever you're helping, yeah, it has to stop right here. Yeah. You know. So yeah. What are you? What are the biggest fears then for the future, for you, for me, for our family? Yeah. What are the things, like, tangible, too? So paint a picture. Oh, God. Um, I'm going to say something, and I know that you're not probably going to like it. Yeah. But I'm just going to say it. Say it. You said the biggest fear for myself, for Mm -hmm. me, my biggest fear is that I just don't have the wherewithal for it. And, like, there will be a time where I'm like, I'm done with this and I can't do it. And I don't know if that means like, you know, one day I wake up and I'm like, listen, I'm resigning my membership. I'm just about to go to X church and be this anonymous person here. Or, you know, and I know I've joked about that before, but that is a genuine fear. It's just that I'm like, I can't do this. I cannot walk in tandem with you in this place any longer. Or, um, if it's just like, you know, we're just out of sync and we just like are in two different places, which obviously is not good for our family. It's not good for our right. marriage. Um, so for me, those are the fears that I personally hold just like, ah, you know, like if this doesn't, if this isn't resolved or if he doesn't figure out a way to like break out of this, like when you say this, what do you mean? 
if you can't find a way for us, me, namely, (laughs) (laughs) if you can't find a way to continue to do your work as you're doing it, but allow room for me to be human. Yeah. Because I'm definitely not your, and we've talked about this a lot. I'm not your quintessential like pastor's wife. Like I'm leading the women's ministry. I enjoy every single aspect of this. Like I'm very much a march to the beat of my own drum. And there are things that I'm still figuring out and trying to understand about myself and my role as a woman and my role as a Christian woman and my role as a Christian woman in this world, you know, like, Black woman. Black Christian woman in this world. Like, Entrepreneur. Yeah. yeah, just so many things that I'm trying to work out. Yeah. I just do not have, I don't have, I no longer, I think I did when we were younger. Mm-hmm. I no longer have the bandwidth to pretend. Yeah. To put on airs uh-huh. or to function when things aren't working. Yeah. Like, I just don't have the capacity for it any right. longer. And so I feel like I would just, Honestly, give up and be like, bro, I'm well, out. Well, yeah. One of the greatest pieces of advice that I ever got, Mark Devin, mm. uh, what he just said was, and this was what, seven years ago now in D.C. Mark was like, John, I want you to know, man, um, the church can get another pastor. Hmm but your wife can't get another husband. Amen, Brother Mark. And your daughter can't get another father, right? And mm-hmm. so that's truth and that's wisdom. And at the end of the day, it really is me saying, like, oh, no, like, um, I definitely want all of these to work. But if something doesn't work, mm-hmm it's not going to be my family that don't work. That is the hope. Right. But that also plays into what my fear is for you. Yeah. What's, what's that? Is that you would resign yourself to just this life lived within other people's boundaries and expectations and their Mm. needs for you. Mm. And like you, you wouldn't be able to, you know, live freely Mm. and feel freely and express yourself freely. But kind of like go into autopilot eventually, you know, like, yeah. whereas I would give up and just be like, peace out. I feel like right. you would give up and just resign yourself to it. Oh, all right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> okay. So you'd just be like, ah, oh, uh, all right. This is it. This, yeah, is, it. this just, is life. I'm just going to live life as it is. And if you were to resign, did you become accustomed to people just thinking that you're like the best thing since sliced bread right. and like, you're like it. Yeah. And that just produces something in people that's just not, pretty it 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 does Mm -hmm. yeah and i don't i don't want that i don't want that for you right 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 (laughs) and that would just not work right for me it it wouldn't work for you because i don't think then that you would place the proper measures in place to breathe right express like um create There's always two sides to every coin. Yeah. And yeah, I don't want anybody listening to this to just hear, you know, that, you know, the entirety of our marriage has just been me (laughs) attacking you daily about, you know, your inability to let 
you know, to remove, you know, some noise out of your life and create better balance. Yeah. Like that hasn't been the entirety of our marriage because I do see that, you know, like you have these gifts and you have like, specifically with like the church stuff, you do have like such a gift of communication and just in general, like even things that you've done, like for a portrait and, yeah. you know, the communication stuff that you've done there. Right. And I have told you, like, you can make a lot of money <laughs> if you just do this for a living, you know, yeah. like telling stories for people and like, um, Ironic, like you have such a like Moses story and you have just this wonderful gift of communication. It's just like so interesting to like from 30,000 feet, like look at it and be like, oh, this is kind of what he's meant to do. Mm. Um, So there is that kind of like tension of this is difficult and it comes with a lot. But my partner is so gifted at this. And not only is he gifted at it, he's thriving and feels like. Yeah alive yeah. and so like there's just this that's that weird yeah. it's what i call a uh pitch black morning uh-huh so four in the morning is morning mm-hmm. and morning is usually associated with sunshine mm. but four in the morning is pitch black yeah it's dark yeah and what you're saying is like oh no this is like it's clear that this, of course. That, that it's morning, but it don't feel like it. Yeah. There are times when it doesn't feel like, right? you know, there are times when it's really difficult and times when, yeah, I just kind of want to shake you. <laughs> I wish I could. You're a big guy. So it's like, you know, it would take a lot of strength, but still, you know, there are times where I just want to shake you and just be like, do you not see like that right. this, this is like, this is taking a lot yeah. from you. Um, but then it's like, but I cannot imagine you doing anything else. Pretty much any time after you've like done really well at something, like when you're speaking, um, namely this one time, like when we... We're both involved with this conference called the Understand Conference back in the day. Like, back, back in the day. Um, and you got up there, and it's pro- literally probably <laughs> one of the best sermons I've ever heard you preach. Like, really good. And it terrified me because I knew. Terrified. Terrified me. Because I looked at you, and it just seemed so fluid and natural and right. Mm. And I looked at other people. And I could just, the energy in the room, you could just feel it. I'm I'm a very intuitive person. So if I feel something in my gut, then I'm like, I act on that. Like that is more true to me than most things. Um, And so I could feel this energy in the room that was like, things are going to change. Mm. And I was like, I don't want things to change. Uh I like being my small person in my small home with my small things. (laughs) Like I don't want people to know me. I don't want people to know him. And I remember literally immediately, like after you had finished, you wrap things up and you came down, there's an opportunity for people to kind of like approach you. And I just remember being like, we got to go, let's get our bags. We need to get back on this plane. (laughs) And you know, like 
we got to get out of here kind yeah. of thing. And I'm sure you were just like, what's the rush? Like That I was one of the people. times where it was like, where it was like, oh, nah, like, yo, this was good. I thought it was good. We came down here. We're only down here for a day. I never want to be that dude that is like up in front of folks and then right as soon as it's done, yeah, they never go right it. back to the green. Yeah, I always wanted to be like, a man of the people in there. And so I came down just like, yo, let me yeah, greet folks and say hi. And that was a time where I just felt snatched by the arm. It's like, yo, yeah. yo, what I do? But, you know, I always, I, well, I communicate to our close friends, like my thankfulness that God has never allowed you to become hmm. more well-known. Yeah. Like, I feel like yours, you, you know, people know you, whatever, that's fine. I'm content with the level of knowing that people have of you. Right. But I have said many times, like, I'm so thankful that God has never allowed you to become like this, like, and I quote, Christian famous person. <laughs> right, right. Um, just because I know that I'm not well equipped for it and yeah. not just that I'm not well equipped for it. I honestly don't think that you are either. Yeah. Like, you know, just explaining earlier, I don't feel like, you would set good boundaries and mm. treat yourself well. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that was one of the times where I, I said, this is going to happen. If I don't, do <laughs> if, if I, I don't, don't jump in and this, wave this black flag at death, this is going <laughs> to, this is going to happen. And I just, I had, I, I just felt like I need to save us. Yeah. <laughs> I need to save us. Yeah. And so I did. I just, Literally was like, yeah. I mean, I don't think our flight was probably for another four hours. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had <laughs> or even the next morning. No, no, it was the next day. We <laughs> still had another night to, <laughs> to stay. And so it was like, yeah, we got to catch this flight. You know how that Atlanta traffic like, is. Bye-bye. <laughs> so literally, we just got up out of there. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, yeah, that was why. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like you've been in the same fight since then? I think eventually... I think I was for a long time. Yeah. And then eventually I said to myself, you know, he, he takes offense to it every time I bring this up. And it could be the reason, you know, the way right. I bring it up, it, that could be the reason. Um, or it could just be that he doesn't see what I see just yet. Yeah. And he, he either will yeah. and we'll be on the same page, we'll, we'll more walk in the same direction, or yeah. he'll never see it. Yeah. But it can't be my responsibility to make him see it. All right. And so I think eventually, probably in the last few years, honestly, yeah. I've just kind of been like, oh, I'm just going to let him figure it out on his own. Yeah. Yeah. be the most free with people that you love and people that you feel comfortable around um so i would say that includes probably like myself your family and very close lifelong friends um ava of course yeah. with ava well close and lifelong so That's like close richard trip but there's also folks yeah, that like, I'm not like lifelong. Keith and, yeah, Keith, Keith Kellum, and Joe yeah, and Dave, yeah. Kellum, yeah. you know, all those guys. Um, I put, I, I, well, I think that any person who is willing to argue with you about basketball yeah. 
they will see you. <laughs> they will see the full you. Yeah. And any person who is insane enough to play a game of Monopoly with you, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. will see the real you. Yeah. 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 Just that competitive nature and like, you know, you're you're usually very measured and mm. calm and. People have always come up to me and they're like, your husband is so attentive and it's so easy to talk to him. He has such a soothing personality. <laughs> and I'm like, and he's also hella crazy. <laughs> and, you know, like, yeah. And you will see those things if you, you know, somebody is stupid enough to argue with you about basketball yeah. or yeah. play a game of Monopoly with you. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Do you know when I felt the most free to be human? When? When Sam died. And that, so it was good, mm-hmm. one, but it's all, but it, but it was also like kind of tragic. And here's what I mean by that. I, f- I felt the most free because when he died, it was like for the first time, I think, in my life mm-hmm. as an adult, I was a part of a church where the majority of the church didn't look to me as somebody that they needed something from, but somebody who was in need of something from them. Hmm. And so it, the leash was long and people gave me a license. And so if I didn't return their phone calls, it's, I mean, yo, his brother died. If I was short with them, if I like didn't want to be around them, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah his brother died. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it was freeing because it was one of the first times like, where it's like when Sam died, I was jarred and reminded like, oh, this thing doesn't go on forever. But it was also freeing to be able to say like, you know, to be able to exhale. And it's like, oh, for the first time, people like, ask me how I'm doing and they don't have any questions. Mm. I say it was freeing then because that was good. And I'm, you know, in hindsight, I'm thankful that our church started that way, but it's also this thing where it's tragic because most of the people at that time had never experienced that kind of close loss. Mm -hmm. So then as time went on and they did experience that close loss, uh, it felt like the permission to be human was kind of snatched. And now I was seen as the guy to go to, to talk about that as if, yeah, as if it like talking about death of a loved one didn't re-trigger the emotions or traumas, mm. right? So people mm-hmm. left feeling enlightened and, oh man, that's great. That's so helpful. But then I left feeling traumatized. Yeah. So yeah. it made it hard. Yeah. And I didn't have the boundaries at that time to just say, hey, I know you need help, but I can't talk about this right now. It's the month of March right now. And things are really, really hard for, yeah. for me. Um, it also, and I just thought about this, it also was traumatized, or it's also hard because it's like being a pastor, it's like people will give you permission at times to be angry 
when you're really angry and experience grief. But I don't have the permission to be regular angry. I agree with that. Like, it's like, <laughs> no, like, it's a, no, I'm grateful for you, but there is such a thing as a stupid question. I've asked them before, but it's like, you asked a stupid question and now I'm angry, right? Mm. But it's, but I'm human. Yeah. Or it's a, no, like, it's. God loves everybody. We're all God's children. But yeah. I'm a human with friendship preferences. Yeah. And it's one of the things that people have to know about me is I value flexibility, right? Rigidity <laughs> and personality type don't really go well with me. Like, mm -hmm. and it's, uh, I have a lifelong commitment to you, my wife, and you are my perfect counterbalance. And I am grateful for that. Um, I do not have much more bandwidth in my life <laughs> for people that are rigid. So no, there's nothing wrong with you. I, I'm just a regular person and I don't, I want to have the permission to say, I don't like spending time with you. Yeah. And I would much rather spend time with somebody else. No, I don't want to spend time with you. And it's not because I'm busy. It's just because I would rather do anything else than to, well, uh, not that far, but just but yes. like yeah, the regular things that every other human can do. Yeah. yeah. And it's a, yeah, this, me being a pastor does not mean I'm a superhuman. I'm just, I'm less patient than the most patient person than you know, mm -hmm. right? I'm yeah. less compassionate than the most compassionate pers person that you know. Mm -hmm. All the things that people may see that are great, it's like, but they, there's people yeah. that have all of that. So don't, don't, expect, don't, don't expect of me what you wouldn't expect of any other, person. Any other human good. in the world. Yeah. And yeah. How do you feel like... I know this isn't part of it, but how do you feel like you're reclaiming your humanity? Yeah. Because um, you mentioned all these things like, you know. Yeah. You know, uh, COVID has been the, um, it's been absolutely tragic. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so in no way am I thankful for a very real virus that has prematurely put many of our loved ones in the ground yeah. or in hospitals. Mm -hmm. Right. That's dark. It's very, very dark. However, in light of all of that, there has been a slowing down of life and forcing everybody's expectations of everybody to change. Mm -hmm. So even wearing a mask, outside in public has rid anybody of the notion that they are somehow more or less human than somebody else. Mm -hmm. That it's like, oh no, we're all humans. Yeah. And I think that space has provided a freedom where it does feel like for the first time in our 13 years, um, 
my job as a pastor mixed with my disposition to help people mm-hmm. and my role as a husband and father, for the first time, they haven't felt as much at war as they have for the past 13 years. I think there's been a little bit of a balance to life and just a freedom to create. Like I've realized in this time that it's, no, I, I'm a creative. I love to create. Yeah. I, I love words. I love telling the story of coffee and communicating in such a way about something that is as trivial as coffee, but it's like there's purpose in it. So I love creating. I love learning about sound and podcasting. I love creating and facilitating conversations. Mm -hmm. I love justice. I love leading people, right? Not just, not just within the walls of the church, but outside of the walls of the church to make the world a better place. Like I, I am, um, I love like standing up for people and things. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's this weird place where I feel like in this, in this crisis or in quarantine, I live with this reality that, you know, I wake up each day and I feel like I don't have any words for what goes on here, right? But then I wake up each day and I feel all I have is words to address it. Yeah. And I've just been reminded about how important words are and how they can move things forward. And so, yeah, while the world has kind of shut down, I feel like I've become more alive as a human. And it just felt like um, I'm not going to wait on anybody's permission to be human. Yeah. Yeah. I can see it in you. Yeah. You're glowing. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Hope for the future. Any last things you want to say? Yeah. Whatever you're doing that allows you to feel human, which, I mean, could encompass a lot of things. It could be you know, feeling deeply. I know you think deeply, mm. but allowing yourself to feel deeply yeah. um, and express those feelings to other people yeah. makes you more human. Mm. Um, I would also say... So not always having to be the person that brings the hope into the conversation, but sometimes... You just need to be honest. Right. Sometimes you need to be honest or sometimes you just need to. You need. To seek hope from other people. Mm. I think that humanizes you more than anything is. 
being in a place of need, putting yourself in the position of having a need that needs to be met. Mm. Um, I would also say doing things that make you feel free. Yeah. If that is, I know for me, it's being outside. And <laughs> even if it's hot, I mean, cause <laughs> it's hot today, but even if it's hot or raining, being outdoors and being with nature makes me feel closer to God. And yeah. it makes me feel more like myself yeah. and finding whatever that thing is for you. I know for you, sometimes it's, you know, things like this, it's podcasting and like, having meaningful and intentional conversations with people and so do more of that yeah. or, um, you know, basketball. I know it, the season got messed up, but you know, oh, uh, it's about to start back next up. Week. So enjoy your basketball or play with Ava more or like whatever the thing is that makes you feel more alive. Like yeah. do that. Um, and I would also say, don't waste your time any longer on people who cannot appreciate your humanity. Mm. You want to be around people who accept that part of you yeah. and applaud that part of you just as much as they applaud the public part of you. Right. Mm. So, that's my advice. That's great. Thanks, babe. Uh, well, that's it for episode two of four in the morning. Y'all, thanks for um, yeah, bearing with me, stepping into my world for a bit. Thanks for all the incredible and encouraging uh, feedback that's come through in the course of the past week. Uh, I'm excited to be able to uh, be human in public with y'all. So uh, do me a favor, just like last week, if it was helpful, uh, like, subscribe share uh i would love to hear about ways that um yeah that this spoke to you or ways that you even find yourself uh needing permission to be human uh my advice is don't wait on anybody's permission that's who you are uh be human be free uh enjoy yourself don't wait for the sun to come up before you start living uh see y'all next week peace